James chapter number 8, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God, if you're physically able to, please. James chapter number 4, just a blessing that, just all the songs this morning really bless my heart. Starting out with what a lovely name, that name of Jesus. I was, my mind was going to Philippians 2 where he said that he's given him a name above every name. Just that name of Jesus, what it does, what a blessing. James chapter 4, let's start reading in verse number 7. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I was reading through verse 7 and verse 8 this week, and my heart and mind went to this, these two verses. And it said, Submit yourself therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But then these next four words is where we're going to preach out this morning. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. I'm going to preach that message to you this morning entitled, Draw Nigh to God. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. Lord, I ask you please to, Lord, use me as your mouthpiece. Hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that everything that's said from this pulpit this morning, will bring praise and honor and glory to you. Thank you for the wonderful songs that we've heard today. Lifting your name, that name that's above every name. Lord, thank you for what you did and how you loved us when no one else would love us and saved us when no one else could. Lord, I just thank you for being such a wonderful God. I pray that you'll help Faith Baptist Church, Lord, to leave here with a renewed spirit in their hearts. Lord, to serve you with all of their hearts. Lord, if there's any here that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do. We claim the blood of Christ that you'll bind Satan and the devils of hell from this building, that they not be allowed in this place. And Lord, we're looking forward to what you're going to do in hearts. Thank you for visitors. Thank you for the faithful folks here. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I think it's very important in the day and age we live in, not just in today's society, but all throughout uh, creation and all throughout the, the time of man, it's been very important to walk with God. Uh, God created man in the image of God, and they walked with God in the garden, and it's very important for us to do that. Uh, I hear people often say, well, I just don't have time to spend with God. And that's a very sad statement because when we say we don't have time to spend with God, what we're saying is everything else is more important to us than God is. When we say we don't have time to spend with Him, what we're saying is everything else is more, is more worthy of my time than God is. And as I think about that, there's nothing else that you do in your life that's ever done what God has done for you. Uh, you can say, well, I've gone to my job and my job has helped pay my bills. Well, who's giving you the health to work that job? God has. You know, and if we think about the grand scheme of things and think of, about our life, we ought to give God praise and glory for what he's done for us. Our theme this year is to know God and to make him known. And if you really thought about, if you're sitting in this room this morning and you've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a lot to be grateful for. 
you have a lot to be thankful for. You don't have to spend one second in hell. And to that, I say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, because I'm excited I don't have to go to hell. Listen, if you're saved, you ought to be excited that you don't have to go to hell. That excitement ought to flow out of you so that others can see it. And when they ask, what are you so excited about? You say, I don't have to go to hell. Praise the Lord. I don't have to go to hell. Why? Because Jesus saved me. And if you start thinking about those kind of things, you wouldn't be able to say, I don't have time to spend with God. Because your love and appreciation for what God has done for you would motivate you to spend time with Him. I could just see it now. My wife and I uh, got married uh, 17 and a half years ago. It will be 18 years in September, uh, or actually almost three quarters of that uh, year. So it'll be 18 years in September. I could just see if 18 years ago, Brother Eddie, when we got married, I said, you know what, now that we're married, I don't have time to talk to you. I don't think our marriage would last 17 years, would it? No, because I, I make time to be with her. Why? Because I love her. And the fact of the matter is, if you genuinely love God, you're going to spend time with God. And I think it's time that we think about these things that God has done for us. And as I was reading through this, it said, Submit yourself, therefore, to God, in verse 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I think a lot of times we have a problem with going to the beginning of verse number 8 because we haven't got verse 7 down. You say, what are you talking about? Verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. That's the first step. You'll hear us preach on resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you cannot resist the devil if you're not submitting to the Lord. You can't do that. Why? Because if you're not submitting to the Lord, then you are filling the flesh, not the spirit. If you're not submitting to the thing God wants you to do, then you're not going to be able to resist the devil because you're walking in the flesh, not walking in the spirit. It said, submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why will the devil flee from us if we resist him? Because it talks about the first part of verse 7, submitting yourself, therefore, to the Lord. If you're submitting yourself to God, that means you're following the Lord, and you're armed with the armor of God when you go after Satan, when you resist Satan. And he has to flee when God's there because God is all-powerful. God, uh, Satan's no match for God. He's a, a big-time match for you and I. We, we can't defeat him by ourselves, but with God, we can. Then it says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Isn't that a wonderful promise that we have? I've had people say to me, Brother Ron, I just feel like God is so far away. I feel like God is just so far from me. Well, you do understand, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. He says, I'm with you always. He's there with you all the time. But it feels like His presence is far away, doesn't it? And why is that? Why, is it, why does it feel sometimes that God's presence is far away when He's with us all the time? I think a lot of times the reason for that is because we're not going to where He is. We're not drawing nigh towards him. He says, if you'll draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh unto you. Drawing nigh to God, what does that basically mean? The word nigh in the dictionary means near or close by something. So to draw nigh to God means to be near him or close by him. My mind went back to uh, the book of John, chapter number 13, when the, they were in the upper room there, and he was telling the disciples that one of them was going to betray him, and they were all in a room where Jesus was, but that one disciple had his head laying on Jesus' breast. He wanted to be where God was. He wanted to hear the heartbeat of the Lord. He wanted to feel the very breath of God. And until we come to the place where we're drawing nigh to God in that way, we're not going to experience the presence of God the way we ought to. Listen, this 
area in our life of drawing nigh to God or near to God is a very wonderful thing. Can you imagine? There's times in my life that, uh, you know, I've been around people and just when you're around certain people, you just feel confident because they're confident. You know, it's contagious. You get around them and, man, they're just positive and upbeat about everything. They're smiling. Man, you can run into their car and they say, praise the Lord. What a blessing. You know, uh, they're driving down the road. Their tire falls off and goes shooting down the street. They're like, well, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, those kind of people sometimes frustrate me, you know. I'm thinking, how can you be happy about all these kind of things? Well, the Bible says be thankful in all things, doesn't it? And, you know, the fact of the matter is our cars are going to rust out one day. They're going to be gone. The money that we have in the bank is going to all burn up one day. All the things that we really focus on that we don't have time for God for because we're too busy in all these other things. The the people that are dying going to hell because we don't have time to be with God and time to share God with them. All of that is, is, we're thinking about, man, all these things that we're spending our time in are way more important than the things of God. And as I was thinking about, it's, it's such a wonderful thing because as I get around the Lord, those people that I'm around that are just positive and upbeat and they, they give me that kind of spirit and they give me that kind of uh, excitement, I just think, man, you know, you just can't help but be, be excited about whatever. I don't even know what's going on, but I'm excited about it. Why? Because they're excited about it. That's just the way it happens. It's contagious. That's why we tell you to turn your frown upside down and smile. Why? Make people believe you, you're happy to be saved. Why? Because they don't want a, a frowny face religion. You understand? They don't want a, a relationship with God if they think, well, all you're going to do is be miserable. Listen, there's joy in serving Jesus. And when you get around God, guess what He is? He's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He's all of those things. That's an attribute of who the Holy Spirit is, of who God is. And we've been preaching about who God is all of these years, but we need all of these weeks. And we need to understand something that we got to draw nigh to Him or come near where He is if we're going to do what God wants us to do. I believe there's a lot of things that God wants for Faith Baptist Church in the near future. But it's going to take a group of people that are willing to draw nigh to God that are going to get up close to where God is and allow God to just rub off on us. We have a lot of the world rubbing off on us, don't we? You say, oh, no, we don't really. Let's look around and let's see how we act when we're not in church. Do we act more like the world or do we act more like God? See, whatever power source you plug into is what you're going to produce. You say, what are you talking about? If you uh, plug into the prince and the power of the air, the devil... That's what you're going to produce. But if you plug into the Holy Spirit, that's who power is going to come through your life. And you need to make sure that you're doing the right thing and that you're drawing nigh to God. Drawing nigh shows a relationship between us and God. It's very important for us to have a relationship with God. Not just be part of His family, but have a relationship with God. A relationship isn't something, well, we're related, but we don't ever talk to each other. You know, there's a lot of people that could probably testify to that. I have relatives that I wish I didn't have, but by blood, I'm telling you, we're related, okay? But we don't have a relationship. See, God doesn't want us to be related by blood without relationship. You can be related by blood without relationship because the blood of Christ saves us from all sin. It gives us a home in heaven when we die, but our relationship with God can be tainted and tarnished. It can be severed. Our relationship can be. You say, what are you talking about? God doesn't want to fellowship with us if we're living in sin. Because a holy God has to judge sin. So what's he tell us to do? Draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto us. 
There's three things about this relationship with God that I want to address this morning. Look at Psalm 42, if you would, please. Psalm chapter number 42. Firstly, I want you to understand the relationship between us and God needs to be a personal relationship. I can't rely on your relationship with God to get me through. I have to have my own personal relationship with God. Psalm 42, verse number 1, look what it says. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Look at those two verses. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so my soul, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This relationship between you and God has to be personal. Drawing nigh to God has to be a personal decision that you make every day. Your soul needs to long to be with Him. You need to personally desire a relationship with God. More than you desire to breathe your breath, you need to desire to fellowship with God. I heard a, a, a story of a preacher, a young man uh, went to this uh, older preacher and he said, Preacher, how do, I, how do I know that I'm walking with God? How do I know that I'm going to have the power of God upon my life? He said, Young man, follow me. And they went down to the creek or the river there and he said, Come down in here into the water, young man. And he came down into the water and that preacher grabbed that man and said, Take a deep breath. He took a deep breath and he held him under the water. After uh, uh, about 20 seconds, that guy's flailing his arms, trying to get up and just doing everything he can to get up out of the water. And that preacher's just holding him under the water. Pretty soon he picks the guy up and the guy goes, gasp for breath. He said, young man, when you desire God that much, as much as you desire to air, you'll feel the presence of God in your life. Listen, church, when you desire God as much as you desire to breathe, you'll be able to feel his presence. But it's a personal thing. Between you and God. It's something that I can't do for you. It's something the deacons can't do for you. The Sunday school teacher can't do for you. Getting close to someone isn't something that you can just say, oh, I'm, I know who they are. No, there is a relationship that's there. And it's got to be personal between you and them. That means it's a two-way thing. See, God's not the one that's not doing his part in a relationship. It's us that aren't doing our part in the relationship. He said... Draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh unto you. That's God's promise. So if God's not next to you, drawing nigh to you, close by, you say, well, I wonder why he's not. Well, maybe I'm not drawing nigh to him. Listen, I know he never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Holy Spirit indwells us, lives inside of us. But God's not going to fellowship with someone who's walking in the world. He's not going to allow his presence to be sensed in your life. You cannot get to close to somebody without knowing where they are. You have to know where God is. Well, how do I find God? How do I know where God is? He's in the pages of this book. He's in prayer. When you kneel in prayer, He's there. You know, the Bible talks about there's nowhere you can go to escape God. If you genuinely seek Him, it said, if you seek me, you will find me. We need to start seeking after God again. You know why our nation has turned their back on God? It's because they're seeking after worldly things, not seeking after God. You need to draw nigh 
to him. If you don't know where God is, you can't draw nigh to him. God's in every prayer. He's in every page of the Bible. It's very important for us to have a daily prayer life and daily Bible time. And I'm not just talking about, well, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Those little ritualistic prayers. I'm talking about talking with God. Talking with the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I don't know how else to pray. Let me ask you this. Do you know how to talk? If you know how to talk, you can talk to God. I, have, I feel like sometimes we have this idea that when we go to the Lord in prayer, we have to speak with these intellectual terms. That we have to act all educated to impress God. No, God just wants to talk to you. He just wants to walk with you. He just wants to know that you're there with Him. You don't have to try to use all the biggest words in the dictionary that you can find to impress God. Nothing you can say or do in and of yourself is going to impress Him anyway. We just have to come to the place where we talk to God. Talk to Him as if you would talk to your best friend. Talk to Him as if you would talk to one of your Facebook friends. Well, maybe you shouldn't talk to Him as you would talk to some of your Facebook friends. I'm talking about the ones that you're not criticizing on Facebook. I'm talking about the ones that you talk to, okay, and share all your burdens with. He's that one that you ought to be talking to. It's a one-on-one relationship. In Psalm 71, flip over there quickly. Psalm 71 David's dealing with some things here and he's talking about being an outcast and why people uh, have declared him. He said in verse 7, I was as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Saying, Lord, I can rest in you. And we preached on God our refuge and I'm glad that we have a place we can go in him. But in verse number 12, look what he says. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. You know what he was saying is, God, I want your presence with me. God, don't be far from me. God, I want you right by where I am. If you're far from me, life is in vain. Everything that I'm doing is in vain. Lord, I need you close by because I need your presence. And everybody in this room needs God's presence in their life every day. Parents, you need God's presence to help you be the parent that you're supposed to be. Husbands, you need God's guidance to be the husband that you're supposed to be. Wives, you need God's guidance to be the wives you're supposed to be. And on and on we could go. Children with their parents and all throughout with our employers and our employees and every aspect of life. We need God's guidance. We have to draw nigh to Him. Why? That He'll draw nigh to us and we can have an idea of what we're supposed to be doing. Drawing nigh to God. It's got to be a personal, personal relationship. This relationship between us and God has to be a decision that you make with God. You just decide that the Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. What's that mean? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I was just teaching the teenagers in teen class this morning. And the fact is there's a lot of us that want to live in the world, but we're part of God's family. And we think that we can live in the world because God's given us liberty to do what we want to do and to make the decisions that we want to make. But God's going to be okay with us living any way we want to live and doing what we want to do. No, this personal relationship is something where you have to decide to put off the former things and come to and put on being a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're saved. You have access to these things. You have the Holy Spirit of God to guide you, the Word of God to direct your path. The Word of God's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have the opportunity to do that, but we walk in darkness rather than light. Why? Because we're walking in the flesh rather than in the Spirit. And we wonder why the presence of God isn't around us. We wonder why it seems like God's so far away. Because we're chameleon Christians. You say, what are you talking about? We act like our surroundings. 
we blend in to all of those that are around. Well, this one says that we ought not to preach so hard about hell. We ought not to mention about uh, God's judgment upon sin. And we ought to just talk about love and how God is love. Listen, God is love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loves you. He was willing to give of His only begotten Son to come to this earth to take the form of sin, uh, 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 flesh and take our sins upon Himself and die on an old rugged cross and shed His blood and take our hell for us and then raise from the grave so He can offer life everlasting. Listen, God does love you, but a holy God will judge sin. He will judge sin. And he is just and righteous in doing so. We have no license. When, when the Apostle Paul wrote and he talked about use not our, uh, our salvation as, a, as an occasion or liberty as an occasion to the flesh, what he's saying is the freedom that we have in Christ is freedom from the bondage of sin. We ought not to be walking in the ways of the world, but rather in the things of God. We have to go there. Why, do, why is it somebody who's been saved... Uh, the blood of Christ has been applied to our life. We have access to victory through Jesus Christ. Our walking in bondage, I'll tell you why. It's because we're not drawing nigh to God. It's got to be personal. Got to be personal. This relationship between us and God is a personal relationship. But you know what else it is? It's a pleasurable relationship. It's a relationship that brings joy. Drawing nigh to God brings about joy and strength. Look at Nehemiah, if you would, please. The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number 8. And verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. And everybody wants to stop there, don't we? And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, when you draw nigh to God and He is there nigh with you, there's a joy that comes. Why? That's where we get our strength from. That's where our joy comes from, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Christ is our joy. You can be happy, but not joyful. You say, what are you talking about? You can have some temporary happiness, temporary delights. Listen, Satan shows you temporary delights without showing you eternal disasters. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. There's temporary happiness in living in sin. But there is eternal consequences and punishment that come from it. So how do we have joy? That joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. How do we have joy even through the sorrowful times? How can we find joy and strength to make it through? Maybe when we've lost a loved one. Or maybe when we've been diagnosed with some kind of disease. Or maybe there's been some tragedy that's happened. And how can we find joy through those times? Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It only comes through Him. It doesn't, I, I, I can't compute how somebody can go through life and actually uh, make it through when they have some traumatic experience happen in their life without Christ. I just don't understand how they can. You know why? Because they're just misery and heartache. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. I've seen on multiple occasions 
during hard times and heartache, how he brings joy in people's lives, how people can stand there at uh, the casket of their loved one and just have the joy of the Lord in their heart. Knowing that, hey, my loved one was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're, they're not really gone. This is just the shell of who I knew them as. But there's coming a day when the trumpet sounds, if I'm still alive, that I'm going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I can find joy and strength to understand that I'm going to heaven one day. And I'm going to see my lost loved one one day. And man, that brings some joy about your heart. Why? Because that's only Jesus can do that. And when you draw nigh to him and he's nigh to you, he reminds you of these things. And wow, what joy comes. I had a preacher friend of mine who was diagnosed with uh, cancer, pancreatic cancer. And we began to ask him, you know, how you doing, preacher? And he said, you know, he said, at first I was struggling a little bit. He said, but I began to read through the Bible and he said that you're bought with a price. He said, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He said, then when I began to ask God, God, why is all this happening to me? He said, God reminded me that my body and my spirit belong to him. And I I was reminded by him that, hey, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. And the worst thing that can happen to me is I'm going to eternity. He said, but everything that happens to me isn't up to me. It's up to God. He said, I just found joy to understand that God's got it all under control. That God knows what he's doing with his possession." God knows as long as I'm staying faithful to him and drawing nigh to him, God knows what he's doing and I just need to trust in that and I found joy in that. You know what we can, why? Because drawing nigh to God brings a joy that's just unexplainable. How could somebody that's going through through all of that and be diagnosed with something like that say, hey, I can find strength and joy in those times because that comes through Jesus. It comes through him. Christ is our strength during these times. In Psalm 23, he even talks about that, one of, the, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Most of you know that. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. That kind of stuff brings joy. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why is it God's people don't experience that kind of joy? I'll tell you why. They're not walking with God. They're not drawing nigh to God. In those circumstances, rather than embracing God, we push God away and point our finger and blame Him for the circumstance. Rather than embrace Him in the circumstance and say, God... I need you. I need you. See, here's the thing. The reason is we haven't made a habit of needing God. We haven't made a habit of it. You say, what are you talking about? You don't just need God in the hard times. You understand that. You need God even on the mountaintops. You need God all the time. So if you make a personal relationship with God daily, every day you spend with God, when the hard times come, it's just going to be natural reaction for you to go to God because that's just what you what you've been doing, what you've been training yourself to do. And that is the right thing to do. This relationship between us and God, it is a personal relationship. Let me explain this, though. The only way that relationship can become yours is if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can try all you want to to go through all the 
laws and do all and keep all the commandments. I just talked with somebody the other night and uh, they were a little confused on Thursday night. I was talking with them. They were like, well, isn't the way to heaven just keeping all the commandments? I said, no, it's not just keeping all the commandments. None of us keep all the commandments. Do you know anybody who's ever kept all the commandments except Jesus? Okay, the law was not there for you to say, if you do all of these things, you'll enter heaven. The law was there to show you your lack of ability to keep those things. Show you that you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. If you're honest, every one of us would say, yes, I'm a sinner, because we know that we really are. There's been times I've talked to people and they said, oh, I've never sinned. I said, well, you just did, because you just lied. Okay, we're all sinners. We've all either thought something we shouldn't have, done something we shouldn't have. We all are sinners. Why? Because we were born in sin. All of us are. And the Bible said that there's none righteous, no, not one. Because of our sin, there is a penalty. The wages of sin is death. That's the only thing that sin gives us, death. That's all. That's all it brings. Oh, temporary happiness, but eternal disaster. Death. That's what sin earns because of our investment of sin all the way back in the garden of eden when when adam disobeyed god the bible said by one man sin sin entered in the world and death by sin so that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned every one of us are sinners and we have to come to the place where we realize that our sin had a penalty that we could not pay but jesus christ came to this earth willingly took our sins upon himself who knew no sin he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And the perfect Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, took my sins and your sins upon Himself on the cross. Not just my sins, but my griefs and my sorrows bore all of those things upon Himself. Died on an old rugged tree, was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again three days later, and says, He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're in this room, today and you've never trusted Jesus he wants you to be saved and you got to trust him but it's a decision only you can make listen if I could be saved for everybody there wouldn't be a person in this world lost but the fact is it's a decision you have to make you can sit in that pew and you can maybe fool me because man looketh on the outward appearance but the Bible said the Lord doesn't see as man sees for as man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh upon the heart he knows if you've been sincere inside you may be sitting here today and say, well, I prayed a prayer one time when I was a little kid. Listen, nowhere in the Bible does it say a prayer saves you. It says belief is what saves you. Belief, that prayer is, is, is what's following belief. It's an outward expression of an inward change. You've got to believe. There's a lot of people that have said some words, but they've never really believed in their heart. They've known some things here, but they've never known him here. And you've got to come to the place where you just by faith receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and make it personal with you and Him. And when you do that, guess what? You're saved. You're sealed until the day of redemption. I'm glad it's forever. Aren't you? I'm glad He's the one that keeps us. Because we're good at messing things up, aren't we? I love John chapter 10 when he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. I know that's a difficult word to understand. But eternal life is forever. It says, and they shall, here's a key word, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. See, when you got saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus kept you in his hand. And then God secures you even above that 
over like this. You are double secure when you're in Christ. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. However, you do have to worry about relationship or, or uh, fellowship, not relationship. Your relationship remains the same, but your fellowship with God can be severed. You know why? Because God isn't going to try to walk with you and talk with you if you're not drawing nine, seeking him. You're rather seeking the things of the world. He said this, no man can serve two masters. You can't have both. He told the church of Laodicea, he said, I would that you were cold or hot. Just make up your mind whose side you're going to be on. You're either for me or you're against me. There is no in-between. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all the world has to offer. So why is it that more of God's people keep doing this? Do you know why? Because we still have a flesh nature. But we don't, if we get into the Spirit and we begin to walk in the things of God, we begin to read our Bible, we begin to pray, we begin to have a relationship and draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to us. And it's a personal relationship. It's a pleasure, pleasurable relationship. But it's also a powerful relationship. It's a powerful relationship. When you draw nigh to God, He'll give you the power that you need in service for Him. He'll give you the power that you need. You can't be... You can't have the filling of God without drawing nigh to God. You can't draw nigh to God without dying to self and yielding to Him. When it said, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You have to submit yourself to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 where he's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Listen, God gives you everything you need to fight the battle, to have power over the devil. The reason that we don't get victory in the battles are because we're, too, we're not putting on the armor that God's given us. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and uh, the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace, peace and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and uh, all of those things that it talks about. Our loins girt about with truth and uh, uh, that sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. And it said praying with all prayer and supplication. Listen, we ought to be on our knees in prayer. We ought to be getting in the Word of God. We ought to have the mind of Christ about what we're doing. We need to walk through life drawing nigh to the Lord and He'll not only make this relationship personal between you and him where you can communicate and you ever heard somebody say well God told me this you ever heard somebody say that God told me to do this you know why somebody can say that listen no audible voice came from the sky and said hey I need you to do this it was in their personal relationship with God as they were communing with God God was communing with them and he put on their heart what he wanted them to do and there was no question that it was God telling them what, what they wanted. You know, so when God called me to preach, there was no doubt in my mind that it was God. Listen, Satan wasn't calling me to preach. God was. And that day, you, I began to commune with the Lord, and He was communing with me, and He showed me, listen, Dan, what I have for your life is I want you to preach the gospel. Listen, I knew that was God talking. No audible voice came out of the sky and told me that, but I knew it was the Lord. Why? Because I was talking with him. It was a personal relationship. It's pleasurable, but it's powerful. He equips us for what we need. If you'll do this, you'll have this personal, pleasurable, powerful relationship that's needed in our world. This kind of relationship is needed. Look at uh, 
John chapter number 1, if you would please. John chapter number 1. Verse number 10 is where we'll start. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Listen, if you were born second time spiritually, that born again, you have power. That God can give you. But listen, understand something. It's not you having power. It's God having power through you. We have no power by ourselves. But the power that God can bring in my life and your life is the power of God Himself. That's why Satan runs. That's why that old lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour can't do anything unless we allow him to. He said, Resist him, and he will. Flee from you. That's a promise just as much as if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. Resist him and he will flee. Draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. That's God's promise. Look at Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. Look what Paul's saying here in verse number 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in, at Rome also. He said he's ready to preach the gospel. Well, how can he be ready to preach the gospel? He says it here, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, what is it? The gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's saying this because the gospel has power. When I preach the gospel, if I'm drawing nigh to God and I'm taking His Word out there and I'm giving the people the Word of God, guess what? The gospel has power to change lives. I don't have to be ashamed of the Word of God. I don't have to be afraid to talk about the Lord. We, we need a generation of people who aren't afraid to just proclaim the name of the Lord. To say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God said. If you die without God, you're going to die and go to hell. But if you receive Him, you'll go to heaven. And then you need to walk in the Spirit, as, uh, as the Spirit leads you. You need to draw nigh to Him. It's a promise that He'll draw nigh back to you. Listen, let me encourage you today. In order for you to know God the way that you're supposed to know God, you're going to have to draw nigh to Him. You're going to have to come to Him. He said, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What are you afraid of? You're afraid God's going to reject you? God's not going to reject you. He's, will, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I don't care what you've done in life. One drop of his blood was able to cover it. One drop of it was able to cover your sin. 
And it, it, it did on the cross. All you have to do is by faith receive it. If you're here today and you're not saved, let me encourage you to get saved. Maybe you're, you are saved, but you've been living the wrong kind of way. And you're afraid that if you come back to God, God's going to say, nope, sorry, you're too far gone. Listen, if you're not dead, it's not done. And if God's convicting your heart and telling you to come, guess what? You need to come forward and do business with the Lord today. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, Preacher, I just, I just need some encouragement. I just need my relationship with Him to be better. You know, the only person that can do that is you. You're the only one that can make that relationship better. How is it? Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Let's make time for God. I'm going to close with this. I read a quote one time. It said, you spell love, T-I-M-E, time. If you love something, you'll spend time with it. If you love someone, you'll spend time with them. So if you love God, you'll draw nigh to God. And if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed.